In our last episode, we shared our wonderful trip through six cities in 12 days of Italy, looking for a home, looking for a place that we'd be comfortable with, that we'd enjoy staying there every day, not just as a tourist but as a resident. It was a really incredible trip. And I was quite surprised that we were able to just spend 12 days and actually find some place that we would enjoy living in. Right. And this episode is now about trying to figure out what we need to do to live in that country or even in Europe in general and all the different guidelines and rules that we have to follow to make that happen. Welcome back to Finding Gina Marie, our video podcast about discovering family and our journey to eventually relocate to Europe. This is episode 14. If you've missed any of our other episodes, they're on findingginamarie.com, where you can also find contact information for us. I'm Judy. And I'm Kevin. So although we'd been to Verona before, I feel like coming back on this trip, it really felt like love at first sight in terms of just having a knowing that this was someplace that we could see ourselves living in. Now, bear in mind that actually doing it, we may feel differently. But when we went, it felt really natural and comfortable. And it, it felt like the place we could see ourselves living in. I felt comfortable from day one there. I felt like I was in the place where every day I would see something that I like to look at. And really, that's one of our big criteria is not so much the place we live in, the apartment, but the area we live in that we can walk outside and just enjoy the scenery, enjoy the history around us. The goal was trying to figure out, you know, could we be there for an extended period of time, months, years, who knows how long, and really enjoy the city for that length of time. So for excited as I was about Verona, and I know you were as well, it was disappointing when I had been checking social media or emails. I can't even remember where I came across the information, yeah. but someone had said, well, it turns out we really can't help you with moving to Italy while you're going through the dual citizenship process. And that our specific case wouldn't allow a visa while we were living there. A residency visa. A residency visa. So you need that in order to stay for more than just 90 days at a time. Right. There are, are a series of different options that Italy offers. A retirement visa, which is great, but it means you cannot have any source of active income whatsoever. We don't have enough money <laughs> sitting in the background just waiting for us to spend. So that's not an option. Right. And we also aren't planning to be students. So <laughs> the student visa isn't quite the option. There are two different kinds of work visas. There's an entrepreneur visa, which is potentially an option. The self-employment visa also has, let's say, if you want to invest half a million dollars. I have to pick up which bank account will pull that half a million dollars out of them. <laughs> right, I'm sure right. there's several out there. I don't know where they are, though. <laughs> and, and the other parts of the entrepreneurial visa are complicated, but it does give you up to a two-year stay that then you reapply for. It was disappointing to know that we just couldn't have a residence visa while we were applying for dual citizenship. If we're going through an Italian consular or something like that, and you can go through their, their normal government guidelines, but if you're going through the court system, you just don't qualify. So when we figured out that we couldn't just move there and go through the paperwork, we also talked about other options. What if we wanted to stay in Italy for part of the year, another country for another part of the year? What are the guidelines? What are the rules? And then we learned about Schengen. European Union is a set of countries that allows you to move freely between countries. Similar to the way the U.S. allows you to go from state to state. Correct. And Schengen is a group of those countries that has restrictions on how long you can stay within that group of countries. 
So Schengen itself threw up some barriers for us. If you're going to go into Europe, any of these Schengen countries, you're limited to 90 days in a 180-day period. And that got a little complex too because we had to work through these online calculators and figuring out, well, if you enter and then you stay 45 days and then you go somewhere else and then you come back, when does the 180 days restart? And it gets a little tricky, but basically, if we enter Italy in the beginning of January and stay till the middle of February... That's 45 days, and then we leave the Schengen area, come back into a Schengen country like Portugal in the middle of March, stay for 30 days to April, and then leave again and don't come back until May, come back into Italy in May, stay for 10 days, then we leave Schengen again. That means that we've used 85 days out of our 90-day allotment in that 180-day period. Now, if we don't come back into the Schengen area for a few months, let's say we come back in August, we go to Portugal, stay for 20 days, and then we leave Portugal. At the end of that leave, the 180 days starts counting backwards from there. So that would include the stay in May and the stay we had for 30 days in March and April. It does not include the 45 days that we stayed in January and February. So we only use 60 days of those 90 days. Now, if we leave again in September and we don't come back till December, and we only stay for 12 days in December. That means we leave in December, our 180 days counts from the day we leave, which means that it goes back to August and counts that stay of 20 days, but not back to the May or earlier stays. So we only use 32 days out of the 90 days we had for that 180-day period. It's a little bit complicated, but we have a link to one of the calculators down below if you are following along and are curious about how that works. Yes. So this trip that was originally focused on where to live in Italy now became what kind of way do we want to live? Because we had originally thought, okay, well, we'll make Verona our permanent home and we'll be immersed in the culture and everything else. And that sounded like, you know, check, easy peasy. But now we have to start thinking about how do we want to deal with this Schengen restriction, which means that we could, in theory, be true digital nomads and bounce around for 90 days in Schengen countries. And then since Brexit occurred, we could (laughs) live in the UK for up to 90 days in a similar situation. We could go back to the US. So we'd be nomads without really a home. Now, for some people, it might be an option to just say, okay, I'm going to hold on to my apartment or my home in the US, and I'm going to travel all around. For us, it's not really practical to pay for home base that then you are doing a ton of traveling. We kind of need our cash flow to be a little more fluid than that. Part of the problem of moving around all the time is that you have to find a place to live during those moves. So we talked about that, like how would we pick where we'd move next? And if you're not living in an area for a long period of time, that means you can't just keep that spot. Maybe you have to keep it for 90 days or 80 days, because if you go over 90 days within your 180-day period, you could be banned for five years. Right. There are severe consequences. You can get a fine up to 1,000 euro, and you can be banned. And um, yeah, a lot of complications that since we really want to live (laughs) in Europe, we want to follow the rules. We certainly don't want to get banned for any period of time. So we talked about this saying, are we going to be able to find a place to live in each area that we want to live in, are we that good at <laughs> finding locations? 
or are they just not available? You know, I mean, we had trouble in some areas looking for apartments. Maybe we didn't do Airbnbs or furnished places, but that meant that we couldn't have our apartment here in San Francisco because that was really out of the budget. And if we're moving about all the time and we still had our jobs here in the U.S., is that going to be allowed too? There's restrictions. Tax implications. Yeah, and, and companies, you have to get uh, approval to work in another country. And that's by that country and also by the company you work for. It just adds more complexity. So we would have to detach ourselves from jobs and somehow live off of money that we didn't really have a ton saved up for doing this. Well, I think some of it could be just really fun and I'm okay with that. Well, it's so, an adventure not to know what's going to happen next. Yes. <laughs> well, and, and I think in some respects, because it's not permanent, you know, okay, let's say you find a place in Germany and maybe it's not where you want to live for the rest of your life, but it is interesting to maybe spend six weeks there. And then you could turn around and although London is really one of our favorite places, it's not a very cheap place to live. So no. maybe you're not in London proper. Maybe you're in the countryside or exploring. I don't know. We still have the car situation to work within. Yeah, we don't want to own a car. So we don't want to be in a city in any part of Europe that requires us to not be able to get around. And I don't really want to have to rent a car either. No, no. The, the, any kind of expense that we can keep from having in this lifestyle is ideal. So be lightweight, move about, sure. But what else is that going to require us to do? And one of the challenges, even being in the United States, we have people who are all across the country, if you're staying near them for a month, what's your transportation going to look like? Yeah. It's fairly expensive to rent a car for a month or for six weeks or for three months. Well, our family that's in the Houston area or even Austin area, that's not exactly friendly to people who don't have a car. We do want to visit family, but we have to figure out what to do when we don't have the extra money just to do this as a vacation all right. the time. I mean, it's, it's different when you're going there for three or four days. Like you said, rent a car for a week, Sure, okay, it's not cheap, but you can do that. Rent a car for two months. Now you're really talking about a lot of money. Right, especially these days. Oh, yeah. And then the other complicating factor is weather. So part of the ideal is to avoid being in places that are really cold yeah. during certain periods of time. You know, we have people in California and people in Texas, which are very hot places. And certainly in Europe, there are places that are very warm in the summer as well. Right. So there aren't enough places that are a little bit <laughs> uh, cooler that we could spend, let's say, alternate from the very hot season of Italy to someplace cooler that time of year. Those times of year are going to be super hot in yeah. in California and Texas. For so, Because sure. um, really, ideally, we do want to avoid <laughs> the cold. We're just not finding a place that allows us to do that very easily. The maths are hard on that. It's not exactly easy to work out. So part of this process was also, what do we own? How light can we make ourselves as far as this process? If we're going to move to another country and then keep moving around Europe, we can't have very much stuff. And that's a really tricky problem because you've got to have enough clothing to cover the weather changes if you are going to go to the UK, in the wintertime, it gets pretty cold. We have some nice heavy coats that we'd wear there, but everything you add to this becomes something you have to lug to the next country, lug to the next location. We can't afford to do that with six suitcases. 
Somehow we have to get it shrunk down. Well, yeah, and that's not a money thing. That's just a practicality logistics yeah. issue. And certainly we could rent a storage unit somewhere, but we have a whole story of how much we spent living in San Francisco with a storage unit. And right. we'll just rent it for a year while we sort out what we're going to do. We may hate it living in a major city and want to move. Well, we moved to San Francisco, you're talking about. Right, yeah. yes. Okay. We ended up spending over the course of six years, something like $18,000. Yeah. There literally was nothing in our storage unit anywhere close to that. We downsized a couple times, but every time you get a new storage unit, they give you a nice low price. And then over time it keeps going up. So if you're paying $250 a month for a storage unit, even a 10 by five unit, it still ends up adding up very quickly. And you're right. All the things that we stored in there for six years, I think we grabbed a few things out of there that we actually kept and the rest we ended up having to give away or recycle somehow, which meant we wasted a lot of money on stuff we'd never use again. And it's still here in our apartment. We've got some stuff we pulled out of the storage units that had memories and sentimental value to us. Now we have to figure out what's going to happen with all that too. That can't go with us. And we don't want to repeat this mistake of storing it for some future date when we might actually look at it again. And I'm really looking forward to sharing with you some of our process of downsizing and where we're going to go and how we're going to eliminate all of the things that are in our lives, including sentimental things. And so if you're somebody who needs some help decluttering or letting go of things that are special to you, um, hopefully we'll be able to give you some tips on that. Yeah, we're not doing it fully yet. We're just starting it. It'll be an exploration together. We'll figure this out together and we'll, we'll tell you the pains we have uh, going through the process. And I do think that because we've exercise that muscle a little bit already, it gets easier and easier the more you do it. I agree. So we did, before we decided to Marie Kondo this thing and downsize everything, we thought about maybe we could move our stuff to Europe. Maybe if we pick a place in Italy that we really like, we'd keep some of our furniture or something else. And we explored the idea of the storage pods, especially the ones that allow you to put your stuff in them, put it on a ship, and ship it over to Europe. One of the things that came up early when I was looking at that process was a friend of mine had moved back to the UK after he lived in the US for a while. And he and his wife waited months for their stuff to make it across the Atlantic Ocean, get out of whatever paperwork process it was stuck in and get to them. So that threw a monkey wrench in it too. It's not as simple as, is this cost effective? Or can we take stuff that we actually are going to use? But now, if we decide to actually need that stuff, will we get it in a timely manner? So it doesn't really make sense to think, take things like your everyday dishes because no. you're going to need something when you first get there. So you're going to make that investment where you land. And are you going to transport furniture over when you might not have it for three months? There are problems with everything that you want to take with you when do you get to use it next? If we are going to spend some time, let's say, in Airbnbs or in furnished apartments yeah. while we sort out where we live, does it really make sense to hold on to furniture and pay to store it until we make that decision? So these are all things that we're weighing against being complete digital nomads that right. are bouncing around nonstop without any landing slot. Or do we find some place to settle 
and make that work. I'm actually quite curious about what people's opinions are about whether just being a vagabond for a period of time sounds interesting to you at all, or really the idea of establishing roots in a foreign country and experiencing that, if not permanently for an extended period of time, is something that resonates a little bit more easily with you. For as much of a bummer as it was to find out that we couldn't live in Italy while we were going through the dual citizenship process, when we got home, we were super excited to hear that Italy had just signed off of a digital nomad program. That is something that a lot of countries have that really allows you to do kind of what we're wanting to do, which is to live in a country either as an entrepreneur or someone who... Contract jobs or anything else. You don't have to set up a physical company there. You just have to have some sort of means of Yeah. But then the low of that is that it's Italy and there's a (laughs) lot of red tape. There's a lot of politics and bureaucracy. So we're just kind of putting that on hold, waiting to hear what details are going to surface from that. So that was maybe March 21st. I think the day we got back from Italy, we heard about this exciting news. But here we are in the beginning of July and still nothing has been announced yet. Yeah. And if it takes another two years, you could actually have your citizenship in that two-year time. It's like, okay, well, here you go. Here's your digital nomad too late. (laughs) And we really decided that this was not going to be a barrier to us. So at no time did we think, oh gosh, well, that means we're not going to move to Europe at all. No, no, full steam ahead. This is just one thing we have to work around and whatever it takes. I think I said that in the last episode, last couple episodes, whatever it takes, we've got this plan and we're going to go forward with it because we made the decision And I'm excited about the decision. I'm excited about changing our lifestyle again, downsizing again, being less about stuff and more about experiences. Because I can remember every time we've been in Europe, every time we've been in a new experience, even when we first came to San Francisco, the experiences are what stand out, not the stuff around us. Completely agree. And I think that we had gotten far enough down this path of moving and relocating to Europe, we're too far down the path and too excited about the process to let this be a dead end for us. Which leads us into our next episode. There is a country that does a digital nomad program that has it in place. People brag about it. It works well. And that's Portugal. And we have scheduled a trip for mid-September so that we can explore that a bit more to determine whether or not that's a viable city for us to kind of have as our first landing spot. So we hope you'll join us, but we're still trying to decide whether we just bounce around or that becomes our home base while we're waiting for things to open up in Italy. So if you haven't already subscribed, please consider doing so so you don't miss any of our future episodes. And please give us a like on YouTube. Leave us any comments you want. You can always get to us at findinggenamarie.com. There's ways to contact us there. And certainly just email us on our website. We're glad to have any conversations. Yep. Until next time. Until next time.